Well, thank you, worship team. Uh, man, it's so good to be back with you. Uh, if you are tuning in for the first time or first time here and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and also one of the teaching pastors here. And it has been a long time since I've been on stage. It's kind of been the running joke around here, you know, because we canceled Christmas Eve and then had a video on, on, on New Year's Day. And then the last couple of weeks, you know, uh, Jordan and Kim kind of kicked this hole off. So I, I'm kind of the new guy up here. And uh, it's just, man, it is good to be back and, and teaching once again. And, and I hope, that, you know, you've had a great beginning of the year. Uh, ours started off great. One of the things we did uh, during the Christmas break is our small group actually rented a seven-bedroom house, and we went and spent, you know, a couple nights, a few days together, and uh, just had a blast. And the really cool thing about this place was it actually had an ba uh, indoor basketball gym. And so we you know, I had got to the point that I was running my mouth to all the high school and college kids that was coming with the families that we were going to play them in basketball, they were going to be embarrassed, all this, you know. It was, just, it was a lot of fun until we showed up at the basketball court. And, um, and they actually remembered all the things that I had said and, and said that we weren't going to play basketball. And as much as I tried to get out of it, uh, I could not. And so we ended up playing this basketball game. And just to kind of give you a little background of this whole thing, we, the other team um, had a varsity high school basketball player on it, a varsity high school soccer player on it, a college rugby player on it, and a college cross-country track runner on it, okay? But not to fear because our team was stacked also, okay? On our team, we had a, an old fat guy, another old fat guy, an even older fat guy, and a frequently tall old guy, okay? So, it, you know, it was no problem whatsoever. So we started this basketball game, and, and it started off really, really well. Uh, I was up and down the court, you know, two or three times for the first few minutes, and, and things were going splendidly, and all of a sudden the age thing kicked in, you know? And what I noticed was the first few times up and down the court, you know, I was being guarded pretty closely and things like that, and all of a sudden I kind of had free reign. There was no one really guarding me, you know? Come to find out there's this talk on the other team that, you know, that, well, this one guy, he isn't a threat, okay, which was a little hurtful. And, and, and it went about as what you probably are imagining. And, and here I was, you know, not being guarded. And our whole strategy on our team was to give the ball as many times as we could to the freakishly tall guy because that was our only hope and our only chance. And so, you know, I, sitting there all sweat and not being able to breathe and all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking as I was preparing this and thinking back about that whole game that I was not a threat. And that is exactly what we've been talking about. It's the same thing, I think, with our spiritual lives. So often that, that when we get comfortable, when we set back and we just kind of let things come and, 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 and set back and just go through the motions, we're really not a threat. And we don't get <laughs> our enemy after us. And I think it's the very same thing. And that's exactly what we've been talking about with these dangerous prayers, this whole theme of this dangerous prayer thing is that if you start praying these prayers, the, one of the reasons it's dangerous is because you put a target on your back. When you get serious about your faith, Satan knows that you can make a difference, that you are a threat. But when we set back and we just kind of get comfortable, when we go through the motions, we don't do the things that, that God is calling us to do, we're not a threat, and no one comes after us, just like the basketball game. 
And honestly, we actually talk to everybody that gets baptized this way and, about this whole thing. And, and so often, I'll get somebody into, into the water, and, and they're so excited about this new journey, this new faith, and, and I kind of bring them down, honestly, a little bit, because I said, I want you to understand that just because you're getting baptized, it's an amazing time, it's exciting, we're so glad that you're doing this, we're going to come alongside you, but I want you to understand something. You are now getting serious about your faith. And, and, and when you get baptized, I want you to understand that you've now put a target on your back. It doesn't mean that life is going to get better. It's going to get easier. It's probably going to get harder. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that what you want to hear? But we actually told everybody that got baptized last year this very same thing, that when you get serious about your faith, when you start understanding that, man, I'm going to take this whole thing serious, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. When you start, when you start praying the prayers, prepare me and break me. And I'm telling you, it's dangerous because now you are a threat. <laughs> and as Peter says, our enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion going around looking for someone to devour. When we're not a threat, we don't have that problem on our hands. But, man, it's the only way to live. And, and, and so often when we're talking about these prayers, you know, we, we pray things that, that, that are, are for our family and for protection and all these things. And, and normally they're kind of self-centered. And those prayers are fine. But what we're talking about here is taking our prayer life to a different level. That's why we wanted to start off this whole, this whole series, this whole season, this whole year by looking at, man, how can we fast and pray and really get serious about how are we going to live this year? Are we going to make an impact? Are we going to make a difference in our lives? And so week one, Kim kicked us all off and, and talked about the prayer that we're going to pray, this simple two-word prayer of prepare me. And God, get me ready for the battle. Get my mind right. She talked about putting on the full armor of God and preparing us. And then last week, Jordan talked about break me. That God, once I'm prepared, would you just break my heart for what breaks yours? Would you let me see people the way that you see people? Would you let me care for people the way that you care for people? Break me. And then this week, the dangerous prayer is a simple one. Send me. God, would you send me where you want me to do? Would you revolve, reveal the calling in my life? If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to go, I will go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And I think so often, I think what we do is, is we start praying prayers to God and saying, you know, God, here's what my plans are. Here's what I want to do in my life. So, God, would you just come alongside? Would you bless what I want to do? But when we start praying this prayer of send me, it's, God, it's not about my plans. It's not about my will. It's not about my kingdom. It's about your kingdom. And God, send me wherever you want me to go. I want to join you in what you are doing. And we all know through Scripture, God calls people. Jesus himself calls his 12 disciples and says, hey, follow me. Come alongside me. And, and we see all these callings. And, and we talk about this all the time here about, about your calling, about, about getting involved in, in what your giftedness is what your spiritual gifts, how you are wired, how God has wired you, understanding that so you can go out and make an impact as much as you possibly can. And I want you to understand, if you call yourselves a Jesus follower, if you've given your life to Christ, you are called. There is no question about that. And here's the thing, when we are called, when we respond in all kinds of different ways. So what I want to do is just walk through some, some very familiar uh, people in Scripture that you'll, you're going to recognize and, and how they answered their calling, how they did with their calling, these familiar characters. We're going to start the first one in, in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, and it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And Jonah just basically says, nope, God, I'm not doing it. Mm-mm. No, I don't like your plans. I really don't like those people that you're sending me to. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go the opposite way. And I wonder how many times that we have felt prompted to do something. Come alongside somebody to meet a need. To volunteer in an area that needs to be volunteered for, to, to give something. And, 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 and we feel this prompting, and, and, and we know that there's something there, but yet we just say, no, God, nope. I, we make all kinds of excuses, and we walk away, and we say, no, God, I am not going to do that. The very first response that we see in Scripture is this one, is here I am, God, I am not going. I've been guilty of this. And my guess is that you have been guilty of this. And I just want you to understand, man, if we don't start sensing these, these, these proddings from God and, and the whispers that we have, and we don't start acting, if we say, no, God, I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do that, we're going to miss out on the best of what God has in store for us. Here I am, I'm not going. And then response number two is this, here I am, send someone else. And honestly, I think this is the one that many of us get stuck in. This is the one that, that I think is, is the one that can really hold us back if we're not care, careful and probably is the worst excuse that there is. And we're heading to over here to Exodus and Moses and, and he meets God at the burning bush. Exodus chapter three, verse two. It says, there the angel of the Lord. And when you hear the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, many scholars believe that that is actually Jesus they're talking about. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the, the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. And Moses said, here I am. And God, God, God says, Moses, would you take off your sandals because the ground you are standing on is holy. And then he starts explaining who he is, that I am the, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac. And he starts laying out this whole plan. And he says, I have seen the misery I've heard the voices of my people calling out to me, and I'm about to do something about it. I'm about to go and free them. And you are an integral part of this plan, Moses. Verse 10, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And I think Moses replies, like so many of us actually reply when God calls us specifically to do something. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? Man, I am not talented enough. I just don't, I just don't have it. There's got to be someone better than me. You know, so, so, someone else is more qualified. Someone else is more schooled. Someone else is, is, is just going to do a better job than what I am. And we don't have this self-confidence. We don't understand that the same spirit lives in us that rose Jesus from the dead. And we see people all the time, and maybe we have a plaque in our wall that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. We wear these little braces. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But do we really believe that? Do we really lead our lives like, you know what? I've got the spirit of the living God inside of me. And if he calls me, I can do anything. Because he sees something that maybe I don't even see. So we have to be very careful with that. But then I think there's also another side of this. When we say, send someone else, here I am, send someone else. And it's nothing more than us being lazy. 
It's nothing more than us having an excuse of, you know what, God, I just don't know if I have all the time. You know, there's someone over here that, that, that has more time than I do. You know, I don't think I can, I can, I can do that because I, I just don't know if I can work it into my schedule. Do you know what my schedule is, God? You know, I'm sure there's someone else that isn't as busy as I am. They're not running their kids all over to sporting events and all these other things, man. You know, I, I'm a busy, this person over here, they've got all kinds of time. Or maybe they've got more money than me, you know, and, and I, I, can't, I can't give right now because, you know, they, well, maybe they ought to, to actually do all this. And I think we start making excuses of there's someone else better. There's someone else that has more time. There's so much when God is calling us to do something. And yes, it may inconvenience us. It may, we may have to rearrange our schedules. We may have to do something. When God is calling us, there's something specific there that he wants us to do. This response is just so important for us. And, and we come to a man by the name of Isaiah, and his response is, is, is different, and it is extremely dangerous. He doesn't go in and say, here I am, God, I'm going someplace else. He doesn't say, here I am, God, send somebody else. He comes in and says, here I am, God, send me. So what I want to do is walk through this passage, and then we're going to come back and break it down and see how it really applies to us. So Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And I think the amazing thing, when, when Isaiah sees all this, the very first thing he says is, here am I, God, send me. He doesn't ask where he's going. He doesn't ask what it's going to cost. He doesn't care about anything else. He doesn't say what time. He just says, God, I am here. I am available. I want you to send me no questions asked what if you and i started praying that prayer here I, here i am god send me you can have me my mind my hands my feet all of my resources you can have my life i am all yours you may interrupt my plans Nothing else matters except what you are calling me to do. You talk about a dangerous prayer, that's the one. And I think sometimes we don't pray this prayer because we're afraid that God will take us up on it. Now, how many of us are scared to, you know, hey, he's going to call me to Africa, and I don't really want to go, you know? How often do we sit back and we don't really want to honestly pray that prayer because we're afraid that God may say, you know what, I do have plans for you, and here's what it is, and it's going to interrupt what we have for us. 
So the question becomes, how in the world do we get to a place where we surrender our lives to God, where we are fully in, where we say, God, no matter what it is, this isn't just about showing up on a Sunday morning occasionally. This isn't about me running, going through the motions. This is about me getting involved, putting a target on my back. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines anymore. I'm going to become a threat. How do we get to that point in our lives? And I think as we walk through this passage of Isaiah, it'll become clear to us. And the very first thing that we need to do is the first thing that starts us on this path of giving ourselves all to God is, is, is being an experience, having this experience of, of the presence of God. We're back into the verse, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the door doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah is sitting here in the presence of God, and he stands in awe. He stands in amazement. The very first part of the Lord's Prayer is, we stand in awe. Hallowed be their, your name. Understanding who God is, and when we are in his presence, man, we fall to our knees. It's our natural response to him. When we experience the presence of God, it's unbelievable. It changes us. And the more we understand and we experience God in our daily lives, the more available we come to him. The more available we make our lives to him. We let him in at every aspect of everything that we do. And we start understanding that our lives are his no matter what it is. It's not just about the Sunday morning thing. You know, we don't have our work life and our leisure life and, and our church life. It's all together. It's inseparable. We are one with him. So my question is when was the last time you truly experienced God? When were you overwhelmed by his presence in your life? It may have been here on a Sunday morning when we come in community. It's one of the main reasons why we do this and we design these services so you can sense and you can experience and you can feel in community this presence of who God is in your life. Maybe it's one of our prayer nights. Maybe it's... it's it's one of the reasons why we did this whole prayer and fasting thing so that you could get to a point in, in praying in, in a way that you experience God, you sense his presence in, his, in your prayer time. I hope that for you somewhere in this whole day, these days that you come overwhelmed of who God is and that he is actually here. Or maybe when you open up your Bible and you're running through scriptures and all of a sudden something jumps out of you and it's alive and you, and you sense God like never before. Maybe it's in nature as you're, as you, as you, as you're walking in the woods or taking a hike somewhere and there's something about seeing a sunset, seeing a sunrise, and you see the beauty of it all and you experience God and, and you sense his presence there. Maybe driving in your car, listening to worship music. And it's not just an emotional thing. It's a matter of, of, of really sensing that God is here, God is present, and, and I am part of the plan. He loves me more than I can imagine journaling, all these expressions. There's all kinds of ways, but I encourage you to find where you sense, where you see the presence of God in your lives. It will change how you are. We need to be intentional about finding the presence. We need to experience the presence of God if we're going to fully embrace what he has for us. The second thing we need to do is you need to be aware of your sinfulness. And it's getting harder and harder. We live in a culture where we are bombarded with everything's okay, that there really isn't truth. And, and we can't buy that lie of society and culture telling us that anything goes. We know that we live by the scripture. We know that there's biblical truth. We know that what God stands for. 
And, and so we've we, we got to understand, and so often what happens is we start comparing ourselves to other people. We start comparing ourselves to Jesus' followers, and we look at outside, and maybe in the culture, in the world, we say, well, we're not as bad as those people, so we're doing okay. We, we start judging ourselves in comparison to others, and, and that's where the pride and the arrogance starts coming in. We start thinking, well, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. You know, I come to church fairly regularly. I give a little bit here and there. I volunteer some, and I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a lot better than some of those other people out there. But Scripture tells us that we've all fallen short, that we all fall short of the glory of God, that there's no one righteous, not even one. Basically, what Scripture is telling each and every one of us is that we are sinners. You are a sinner, no matter what. It's the way it is. And when we start comparing ourselves to others, when we start comparing ourselves to these, these other people that we think are so much worse than, than us, we've got to understand this is not about them. This is about us. We've got to start doing a soul search of, of, of where we are because, you know, it's not that standard we're looking at. It's God's standard. And we all fall short of God's standard. We are all sinners in his eyes. And we start understanding that, that as Christ followers, I think the thing we have to be careful about is this pride that starts taking over us because we do compare ourselves. We have this arrogance that we have all the answers, that we have it right. Well, at least we're doing these things right. And we don't, we don't take that self-introspection of, God, where am I falling short of you? It's the break me part of these prayers. God, my standard isn't outside of here. My standard is with you. Where am I falling short? Search me, oh God, and let me know where it is. And that pride starts coming off. That's where, where we get to take the log out of our own eye. To introspect, we have to understand that we are nothing more than sinners, exactly what Isaiah says in verse 5. Woe to me when he stands in the amazing presence of the Almighty God and he realizes, I am not worthy. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And when we get to a point that we understand that we can never measure up, that there is nothing that we can ever do to earn our way to God, that we will always fall short, we understand that we are in need of a Savior, that we cannot do it ourselves. We need to experience the presence of God. We need to be aware of our sinfulness, and the last thing is you need to understand God's grace. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. It's atoned for. It's been paid. You can't do it, but God has taken it away. There's no reason to feel guilty anymore. Isaiah's in the presence of God. He realizes how, fall, how short he falls, and he needs grace. And it's no different with us today. When we get to a point where we sense the presence of God in our lives and we start, start praying these prayers of prepare me and break me, I'm giving you me, and, and we start understanding how holy God is and how much we fall short, and we need this sinner, this, this Savior, to take away our sins. Jesus on the cross has paid the price. It is his grace, and if it wasn't for that, none of us would stand a chance. No one would stand a chance. Our past 
is forgiven. Our guilt is gone. The secret sin that we, we have held on to, that maybe we've told nobody about, is forgiven. Our lust, our pride, gluttony, you name it, it's all gone. Our rebellion, our anger, our sin has been taken care of once and for all on the Christ. All we have to do is accept it and say, I understand, God, that I can't do it on my own, and I'm trusting in what you've done on the cross. We've got to understand God's grace. And the realization of all that, the realization of all that love, <laughs> the extent that he went to be in a relationship with us, the only clear response is, here I am, God. Send me. I am willing. You can have everything. You can have my time. You can have my resources. You can have my life. I am all in all the time. I am not playing anymore. Here I am, God. Send me. Whatever it is you want to ask, God, the answer is yes. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up, and we're going to take communion here in just a, a minute or two. And I want you to understand, there comes a time in your life when you sense this, that, that you realize that you're a sinner, and, and, and you can make a decision, I am going to follow Jesus Many of you, maybe at one time or another, have said a prayer and raised a hand, or maybe you've walked forward in a church service and out the altar, giving your life to Christ. And we love that. It's a, it is a decision that we make, and you can make that decision right now. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, you can say, God, I, I want to be a Christ follower. I, I, I want you in my life. I want to give you everything. And I'm going to trust what you've done on the cross. You can do that right where you're sitting right now. There's no, no perfect prayer. There's no special words. You just say, God, I am yours. But here's what I want us to understand, that this is not a one-time event. It starts as a one-time event, but this is a daily decision of saying, God, prepare me, break me, and here I am. Send me. Getting up every morning and saying, God, this is, this, this is it, okay? I'm starting again because probably I screwed it up yesterday. It's a daily decision to pick up our cross and follow him. And we've got to understand that there's this battle inside of us going on because when we made that decision to follow Christ, we have this Holy Spirit in us. And there's this constant battle. That, it's called our sin nature in Scripture. It's just, it's just us trying to take control of our own lives, and there's this battle going on all the time between the Holy Spirit and our sin nature, our flesh as scripture calls it. Which makes us say, you know, God, here I am, I'm not going. Or here I am, God, send someone else. But when the Spirit takes over, when we start daily leaning in and daily giving him our lives and praying these dangerous prayers of prepare me and break me and send me, a daily decision of I am following you no matter what. I may have messed it up yesterday or last week, but I'm starting over today it's a new day here I am God send me it's been so amazing watching everybody just plug into this series and sacrifice something and be fasting on something all kinds of things being fasted our teens are fasting our children are fasting it's been amazing to hear the stories of how God has been working 
I don't know what's been happening in your life over the last few weeks, how God has been speaking to you. But as we come and take communion today, as we celebrate this thing, the, the free grace that God gives us, will you answer the call? God, I'm done running. I'm done saying no. I'm done saying send somebody else. I'm ready to say, here I am, send me. Maybe that's your prayer as you come and get communion this morning. Or maybe that still terrifies you. And that's okay. Maybe there's something still stirring in your heart. Maybe as you come to take communion today, it is, God, I want to get to that place. Help me to take steps to get there. That is your prayer today. I'm not there. I'll be honest, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to say, here I am, no matter what, God send me. But that's my prayer, is that I will get there. So as the music continues to play, just get up from your seats and come and get the elements, and we'll take communion together here in just a few minutes. This is just a special time we get to do as a family, as a community, as an ecclesia, as church. And I hope that we never get to a point where this is just something routine that we do. That this is a time that we take pause. And we understand what it took, the cost, 
for us to be forgiven. Amazing, unbelievable grace that Jesus has. And he asks us to remember this. That's why we do this, is to look back of how much he loves us. Paul writes it this way, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks for God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we are so undeserving, but we are so grateful. God, we acknowledge how many times we fall short of sin in our lives, but we also acknowledge the grace that covers it all. We are humbled and honored to be part of your family. So God, as we close this portion of this series, we truly pray that you would prepare us. You'd prepare us for the year ahead. You'd prepare us for what we are going to face, the hard times, the good times. God, that you just get us in a position that we can be the most affected. God, I pray that you'd break us for the things that break your heart, the injustices in our world, the things that are going on that are hurtful, that we would be the solution to many of those things, God. Would you help us as a church rise up and be who you called us to be? And then most of all, Father, would our hearts be one of here I, here am I, send me. Get rid of the excuses, God, of I'm not going or send someone else. It's our responsibility to fulfill your calling on our lives. And we lay down our lives for you. Help us daily to make that decision. Prepare us, break us, and send us, God, as individuals and as a church, and watch what you are going to do. It's in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.